0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So nice to um, to meet you all, and I look forward to uh, hopefully meeting you in one-on-one in a moment uh, after the service. Um, I uh, am from Tacoma, Washington. Um, serve at Sunset Bible Church, which uh, I think the most distinguishing thing about that church for you all is that's the home church of Earl and Shirley Brubaker. So they've been... Uh, partners of ours for a long time, and very valuable uh, people in our lives, and we, we understand that they served here for quite a while, so um, I was excited to hear that. Um, it's hard to keep track of everywhere they've gone, because they they go a lot of places, so um, also, uh, just, you know, that note, um, I've enjoyed a, a friendship with the Zinks for quite a while, um, At my church at Sunset Bible Church, I serve as... I I wear a lot of hats at the church, uh, but one of my main hats is to serve as the pastor overseeing our global ministries. Um, So I'm a missions pastor in a lot of ways, and one of my priorities is I meet with anybody who calls us um, who's candidating. And so many years ago, I got a call from the Zinks, and they were um, looking for churches to partner with them. And while we weren't at a place to be able to do that... Uh, I remember getting together with them at a Starbucks near my house and hearing about their ministry and always finding ways to connect, and we've been connected ever since and uh, really have enjoyed that, uh, that friendship. Um, this morning, I want to um, open God's Word with you, and you can begin making your way to Psalm 67. Um, my wife and I are in the process, it's my wife Karen over here, my daughter Jillian uh, seated on the side over here uh we've been on staff at the church for 14 years and are in the process of making a pretty huge change in our life as i'm going to exit a paid position at the church while our family's still staying there um and coming on board with a ministry called perspectives and uh overseeing that as the regional director in the northwest it's a missionary role and so we're in that process of raising support and finding people who will pray for us and all those things and um, as I uh, worked on what to preach on today, part of my sermon and part of my goal is to really um, demonstrate why perspectives exists and what we're really after, what's the, the key component of it. And um, in doing that, I wanted us to look at what are God's global purposes today and what is, what is our role in God's global purposes. Now, Typically when I preach, um, at my church we, we do expository Bible preaching. I imagine you probably do something very similar here where we go through the text of the Bible and usually I have like one key passage that I'm looking at. Uh, today's going to be a little different. Now we're going to use Psalm 67 and Matthew 28 as our key text, but we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. And the analogy I would use for this is like when you're going on a cross-country road trip. And you just imagine you're the passenger and you're looking out. And where do you look when you're looking out the side of the window? Well, you probably look off in the distance, right? You're getting the big picture of the landscape. If you get set on like, I want to see all the details of the things close to me, what's going to happen to your neck? And you're going to get whiplash because you're going to be doing this the entire <laughs> trip. And, and so there might be a tendency today as we look at a lot of passages, you're going to be maybe like, oh, I want to look at that in more detail. Uh, But we're really going for the big picture today, okay? So don't get whiplash on me. Uh, Just look off into the distance, capture the big picture. But I want to start with Psalm 67. I'm going to read the entirety of the psalm, um, and then we'll, we'll really jump in here. But Psalm 67, verse 1 says this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let The, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth. Fear him, and that's going to be the foundation text for us today. With that read, I'd like to just let's pause. Let's ask God for His help as we look at His Word today, um, and then we'll we'll take a jump in here. But let's pray. God, as we come to Your Word this morning, one, it's it's a privilege to be here at Cole Creek Community. It's a privilege to um, simply open Your Word. And God, what incredible thing that is to know that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You placed each star in the sky. You know them all by name. If we really were able to capture an image of you, you are just so big and so mighty, so powerful, so other. And yet it's stunning to know that, God, you desire to be known by us. You desire a relationship with us. And part of that was you revealing yourself through your scriptures. So today, Lord, as we look at this uh, this whole idea of what did you put us here to do, Lord, help us to not simply put facts in our heads, but help us to know you just a little better, to have a more accurate picture of who you are. I pray for each person here, Lord. I don't know where each person has come from. I'm just hearing prayer requests. We certainly know that there's a lot going on, and Lord, we ask that you would help us to focus in now. Help us to have ears that will hear. Help us to have hearts that are teachable. And Lord, help us not to try to do this in our own strength, but to rely on you for it. And so Lord, we thank you again. We pray all this in the name of Jesus and through your spirit. Amen. All right, so this morning here, and I believe that you have some sermon notes as well, and I have some blanks on there. If you like blanks, you're welcome. If you hate blanks, I'm sorry, but I'll give you all the answers, I promise. Uh, But one of the things that I want us to look at today is really this idea of, in God's blessings, there's a top line and a bottom line. I want to give you this as a bit of a, a paradigm today, or you might consider it a lens through which to look through and understand Scripture and see Scripture just a little bit more clear. Now, this, this wording of a top line and bottom line to God's promises isn't original to me. I first heard it from a friend of mine named Curtis Chanda, who's the director of World Teams uh, mission organization in Florida, based out of Florida. Uh, but I think it's a really valuable paradigm for us to use to, to look at Scripture through. And so I want to unpack this a little bit today. And the reason why I start in Psalm 67 is I think Psalm 67 gives us a really good look, a summary of what this paradigm is. So as we think about this paradigm, let's just look again at the, the Psalm 67, just verse 1 here. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face. To shine upon us. Now I imagine this verse is kind of familiar sounding. And this is a wonderful verse. We like this verse. Uh, We like the things that this verse talks about. God's blessing, his graciousness, his relational nearness as he causes his face to shine upon us. These are all good things, right? Would you say these are pretty good things? Yeah, absolutely. And this is part of God's blessing, is when you are connected to God, when you have a relationship with God, when you're one of God's people, there is blessing to you, and it's not inconsequential. But I want you to see today that there's two parts of God's blessing, a top line and a bottom line, and this would be the top line. In other words, the top line is that we benefit from God's blessing. Now, here's the question, though. Is it the bottom line? In other words, is it the main point of why God blesses us, is what's in it for us? Well, it's not the bottom line. You might notice if you're looking at your Bible, Psalm 67, at least in the ESV translation, there's no period at the end of Psalm 67, verse 1. There's a comma because it's not the end of the sentence. And oftentimes we forget to to get the whole thought And we like the blessing and and we forget that's not the end of the sentence. What's what's the next part? Well, it's the why God blesses us. It's the so that. Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. And so in God's blessings, there's a top line. There's benefit to us, but there's also the bottom line to it. What's the purpose? What's the end goal of his blessings in your life? Well, the bottom line is God's glory. And what I want you to see today is that it's God's glory, and not in a generic or general sense, but God wants to be glorified in a very specific way, and that is he wants to be glorified among the nations. We're going to unpack that quite a bit today. So what I want us to see, first of all, top line, bottom line to God's blessings. And like I said, this is a lens through which to read the Bible. It's a paradigm to better understand what God's doing. And if you have this in mind, I believe so much of the Bible is going to make more sense to you when you read it. And in fact, we can see this throughout Scripture, and that's what I want to do. We're going to uh, unpack a little bit about what the nations are and some of that, but first of all, I want us to look at some examples of the top line and the bottom line of God's blessings. So we're going to put these lenses on and take a look at this a little bit more specifically. So to help us, we're going to go through a few key places. I'm going to just choose three of them today. But I want you to know that this is a driving theme throughout Scripture. And I'm going to go, first of all, Genesis chapter 12. Now, first 11 chapters of the Bible really is setting up the whole foundation of, like, why do we need to be saved? It's setting up the foundation for God's redemptive plan. So by the time we get through the flood and we get to Noah and his family repopulating earth, and then we come to the sky Abram who later will be renamed Abraham. And we're still kind of left with this question of everything's a mess. God's promised to to fix this. How is he going to fix this? And God comes to Abraham, and Genesis chapter 12 is the initial promise of here is what my redemptive plan is going to look like. And notice what he says to Abraham. He says, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, think about this with me. With Abram, did he receive a lot of benefit from being chosen by God? Did he experience some good blessing? Let's think about what are some of his blessings. Well, uh, here we see that he's going to become a great nation, so he's going to be blessed through descendants. We know from his story, if you imagine, you're probably familiar with Abraham's story. He received tremendous material wealth. He he received favor. He received honor. God made his name great. So there was great blessing for Abraham, right? But is that the top line of God's blessing or the bottom line? What do you think? It's the top line tremendous blessing to Abraham, but what's the bottom line? What's the end goal? Why did God choose Abraham? Well, we see it here at the end of verse three. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, when God uses that term families, he's, this is another term for nations. He has the nations in mind here. Um, God is blessing Abraham not as an act of, like, divine favor, like, I want you to have stuff at the expense of other people, but God is blessing Abraham so that Abraham's going to be a blessing, not just to a few other people, but to all the nations of the earth. And, in fact, if we were to go to Galatians, which I'll throw up on the screen here, we see what Paul says about this moment. This is an amazing statement by the Apostle Paul. He says, "...in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith... Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, what Paul's saying is that moment in Genesis 12 was the first time the gospel was preached. And God had in that mind, that moment, He's going to bring the nations to Him, He's going to bring salvation to the Gentiles in that moment. This was always part of God's plan. But what I want you to see here, top line, bottom line, yeah, for Abraham to be chosen, tremendous blessing in his life, tremendous benefit to him, and it wasn't at odds with God's great purposes, the bottom line, which is God's going to be glorified through all the families of the earth, all right? Let's think about um, Abraham's descendants, Israel, you know, Israel comes along, God chooses them as a holy nation, Um, is there benefit to be in God's holy nation? Was there benefit to them? Well, absolutely there was. We look at Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 talks about this. It says, you know, uh, it it lays out all these things. If you follow these, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have benefits to you. Uh, And it wasn't just spiritual blessing. It was physical and material blessing. Uh, You would experience wealth and prosperity and all these wonderful things. And part of it is the nations would look at your laws and think, wow, what an amazing God gave you laws like this. Um, it was intended to be a benefit. But but think about some of the benefits. For instance, the temple. They got to build the temple where God's presence actually resided. Um, the, the, they had the, the center of true worship right in their backyard. Would that be a good blessing to have? People are like, wow, I'm going to come here to Col Creek because this is where you worship the true God. Like, and you had the whole world coming to you. That would be some pretty amazing blessing. But I want you to notice this. Being chosen as God's people and all these blessings they received, are they the top line or the bottom line? They're the top line. And I want you to see this, that yes, God had the top line in mind. It wasn't inconsequential. He wanted them to have these great benefits. But... He also had something else in mind. Let's look at the bottom line. And I'm going to go here to, to um, you have on your sermon notes, so let, let me get caught up. First Kings chapter 8, this is where Solomon has built the temple. And now he's dedicating the temple, and there's this amazing prayer that Solomon prays. And I want you to see one element in his prayer, because his prayer hits on the bottom line of what God's doing. Notice what he says. I don't know if that text is too tiny to read, but I'll read it to you. First Kings eight forty-one through 43. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand, your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. So certainly having a temple was a blessing, a tremendous privilege and honor for the people of Israel. But that was part of the, that was part of the blessing. It was the top line, but the bottom line was this was going to be the place where the nations come And worship God and know that, yes, God is the true creator God. That his name would be made famous among all the nations. So amazing, amazing part of it. Okay, top line, bottom line. Okay, Uh, think about this with the temple then. Later on, Isaiah would say this in Isaiah 56, 7. God says this of the temple. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And I want you to think about this because we see this later on. Mark 11, Jesus cleanses the temple. Um, He's turning over the tables, driving people out of the temple the money changers. And I want you to notice what gets Jesus so riled up. What is so offensive to Jesus in this? Well, notice what Jesus says. It says as he's teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. You know what was so offensive to Jesus? is they had taken this blessing and they had split the top line from the bottom line and gotten rid of the bottom line. They were living only for the top line. They'd made God's blessing all about them. And they'd separated it from God's purposes to be known by the nations. And this was incredibly offensive to Jesus. And so he says, don't you know that my house is to be called a house of prayer for all peoples? In other words, don't take away the bottom line from God's blessings. Okay, This is a challenge to us because I think this is what we tend to do as people. We love the top line of God's blessings. We love what's in it for us. And oftentimes we do that at the exclusion of the bottom line. So I oftentimes when it comes to something like Psalm 67 We know the first verse. May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And we put a period there. And we forget that there's a so that he will be known among the nations. Finish this verse for me. Be still. What's the rest of the verse? Well, what's the rest of the verse? I will be known among the nations. There's, there's a whole nother part to it there. So, so it's good for us to see this, that we can oftentimes focus on the, the top line at the expense of the bottom line. Now I said this is a paradigm for us to see the scripture in better clarity, right? These are lenses to look through. Let me use one more example and I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 6. Uh, which is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I imagine you're probably familiar about, with that. And, and most people have heard some sermon on Daniel in the lion's den before, right? And, and, of course, Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. God delivers him. Is Daniel blessed in this moment? <laughs> yeah, right? It's quite a blessing to be saved from lions. And here's the thing is oftentimes when I've heard people preach this, I've heard the application be, what's the lion's den in your life? And how does God want to deliver you? Now, I don't think that's terrible. But let me ask you this. Daniel being delivered from the lions. Top line or bottom line? Top, line? top line. What's the bottom line? Well, let, let me show you the bottom line, okay? Comes at the end of Daniel 6, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my rule of dominion, people are to tremble and to fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven, on earth. And, And he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The bottom line of this story is that God's glory is declared among the nations. So I don't think it's a bad application to say, well, is there a lion's den in your life and how will God deliver you? But if we stop it there and put a period, we're missing the point. Yes, God blesses us, but how is he using that to be known among the nations? So we have to keep the top line with the bottom line. All right. So let's think about this on your notes then. I want you to see this just from these three examples. But if you have this lens, you'll see this throughout Scripture over and over again, is that God's blessings are always tied to his global purposes. And I I so believe this. His blessings are always tied to his global purposes. All right, so with that in mind, we're going to look at those global purposes a little bit more. But we talked earlier that God wants to be glorified, not in a generic sense, not in a general sense, but he has a very specific way he wants to be glorified, and that is he wants to be glorified among the nations. And so that causes us to ask, well, what are the nations? And we want to talk about that a little bit. So let's explore God's global purposes. So one of the things I want us to see then, you read from Revelation chapter 7, Verse 9 earlier, and I want us to see this. When we read the Bible, sometimes our modern ears hear things that weren't the intent of the original writers. So when we hear that word nations, oftentimes our minds go to geopolitical nation states. You know, we think about Germany and China and the United States and Canada. And of course, right now we think of Ukraine and Russia. But when the Bible uses it talks about the nations, for instance, a little later, we're going to look at Matthew 28 uh, the word nations, make disciples of all nations, Ta ethne. You hear in that word ethne, it sounds similar to our word ethnic or ethnicity. And the Bible has in mind not political nation states, but it has in mind uh, ethno-linguistic people groups. So on your notes here, the nations are not ge- geopolitical states or countries, but ethno-linguistic people groups. Now, the Bible uses a lot of terms for this, and some of the other terms the Bible uses is things like peoples, families, Gentiles. Uh, Sometimes it will use geographic words. For instance, we as a church are preaching through Isaiah right now. And we were just in Isaiah 44, and God's talking about, let the coastlands sing and praise me. He's not talking about Israel. He's talking about the coastal people, the Philistines. And he talks about different geographies praising him. And so the Bible often talks about this, and we saw this in Revelation 7-9 today. Um, regardless of how we define like what is a people group, we see that God wants representatives from everyone worshiping him. Revelation 7-9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, In their hands. Let me me break this down a little bit more. Let's take, for instance, um, the country of Indonesia, which is close on my heart. It's It's a place that our church is trying to adopt a people group from. And Indonesia is one country, but they have about 770 unique people groups. These are people who share a common language and culture and history. And so there's something distinct about them. And when mission organizations send missionaries, they don't just send missionaries to Indonesia in general, as if one missionary will reach the whole country. They send missionaries to specific people groups because each of those people groups needs disciples to Jesus. Each people group needs God's word in their language. Each people group needs a church planting movement. And so this is what God is after. So God wants uh, people from every nation. Uh, when we think about ethno-linguistic people groups, there's about 17,000 in the world. And I believe that God wants disciples from every one of those. But why? Why would God want disciples from every one of those people groups? Well, why focus on the nations? Let, let's kind of look at that. A key place that I go to is Revelation 21. Revelation 21 shows us the final scene, uh, a new creation, new heavens, new earth. We're looking at the city, the new Jerusalem, and I want you to see who comes into this new Jerusalem. And I think this is rather stunning. Verse 24, by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I always thought that, you know, uh, heaven was this place where we all kind of get blended into one big, massive group of people. We all end up speaking the same language. We all wear the same clothes. But that's not the picture the Bible paints. The Bible paints this picture of still there being some sort of national or ethnic distinctiveness. The nations are coming in, and and John is looking, and he can still see that there's different nations. And what are they doing Well, verse 26, they're bringing the glory and the honor of the nations in. And here's what I believe. I believe that God has given every nation or every people distinct honor, distinct glory in order to bring glory to him. See, that's what God does. That's why God gave Abraham honor. He gave him a great name. Why did he give Abraham this great name? Was it just to make Abraham feel good about himself? Well, no, he gave Abraham honor so that Abraham would use that honor and reflect glory to God. And that's what God does today. He's given every nation unique glory that when they're redeemed, they would take that glory and reflect greater glory to God. That's why I wear the shirt that I wear today. You might look at this and be like, that guy wears a strange shirt preaching. Well, this is my shirt from Indonesia. It has peacocks on it. It's a certain style. And I wear it because it reminds me that God has given Indonesians unique glory that I don't have. I don't get to wear this shirt just walking down the street every day. But I kind of, I like it. But it reminds me of something that God's given them that he hasn't given me. When I travel to Africa, spend time in Kenya, it's a place I love to travel um my kenyan brothers and sisters they have been given glory that i haven't been given when you see their worship it is amazing uh they have something i don't have it's called rhythm Uh, just a beautiful thing Uh, but you get to see how god has created us and he's given us glory that other people don't have to bring unique glory And, and here's the picture that we get is all these nations bring their glory think about this in the new creation you and I will still be finite beings. Do you know that? You're a finite being right now, and you will still be a finite being, and here we are worshiping the infinite God. And what's better, for finite beings to worship the infinite God in one language and in one style, or does it capture a little bit of God's beauty a little more accurately to have multitudes of people worshiping God in different styles and different languages, a kaleidoscope of color and beauty reflecting who God is? That's what I believe that God's de- doing, that we see in Revelation 21. Gives me. Uh, uh, l- let me give you another illustration of this, I think, uh, brings the point home a little bit. Uh, this is a puzzle that some of my friends were making. Uh, they're, they're, they used to work with Johnny friends and friends in ministry to kids with disabilities. They really love Disney. They love puzzles. And one day on Facebook, they were building this puzzle. And they said, there's something wrong. And zoom in. This is actual pictures that they sent. There was a piece missing. And it was really funny, because on Facebook, everybody's like, we'll oh, pray for you. And, you know, showing a lot of concern. It kind of cracked me up. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they found the puzzle piece. And so they posted, we found the missing piece. And people are hitting the like button. And they're saying, praise God. And, you know, it cracked me up. But it made me think about this. <coughs> If I were to give you a puzzle as a gift, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how many pieces it had in it, if I gave you a puzzle as a gift and I knew that one piece was missing, is that a good gift or a bad gift? That's a terrible gift, isn't it? Do you know what kind of anguish I'm about to put you through? Uh, it's hor- and it made me think about this. If God created each nation, each people with distinct glory to glorify him, and we get into the new creation, and one people group is missing, is that a good gift of worship? If one's missing. And, and here's the thing, it doesn't matter how, how great or small a people group is, it doesn't matter how lovable they are. If one's missing, God is receiving incomplete glory for what he wanted. So this is what God's working towards. He's not working towards just generic glory or general glory. He wants to be glorified by all the nations that he created, that he gave glory to, in order to glorify him. So, let's think about this on your notes then. Why a focus on the nations? Well, God has given unique glory to each people group for his worship. For his worship. So, we're going to bring this a little bit more into a, a personal area then. And I want us to see this today that we have been given a bottom line mission. And what I want us to look at here with our rest of our time is really to look at Matthew 28:18 through 20. And I want you to see this that this is the primary command given to the church. I put it on the screen, I hear Bibles, so I love hearing Bibles. You look at it in the Bible if you want to. But Matthew 2818 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A couple things here. First of all, I want you to see the importance of this command. This is the final thing that Matthew records in his book. In an ancient mindset, the thing you leave with is the key thing. This is like the mic drop for Matthew. This is the main thing. There's nothing else after this. So this is our main command. And I want you to see here as this verse starts, this command is given in Jesus' authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is Jesus and his kingly authority saying, this is your mission from here on out. So this is the primary mission given to the church. If you ever wonder what God is calling you to, what's your call in life, this is your call in life. Now, of course, we have to think about specifics, but this is what we are called to as the church. Okay, I want us to see a few things here, three things to note about this command, okay? First of all, it's specifically about the nations. It's specifically about the nations, Now, there's a lot written about this verse, and all these verbs show up in the verse. There's going, there's baptizing, teaching, making disciples. And a lot of commentators will point out that the main verb here is make disciples. And that's true, but it's half true. I've seen this so often in so many commentaries, and I hear it from all sorts of people. What's the Great Commission? Oh, make disciples. Well, hang on a second. It's actually make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't often talk about Greek uh, when I preach, but I think grammatically this is a really good one. This command is given as an imperative. It's the main command, make disciples, but it's an aorist imperative, and it has a direct object. And here's the thing. When you have an imperative in the aorist sense in Greek, it means this isn't an ongoing command. It's not a general command, but this is a very specific, like measurable command. Once you do this, it's complete. You can't do it again. And when it has a direct object, you actually grammatically can't remove the direct object or the command makes no sense. And too often we remove the direct object, which is the nations, and we say, oh, the command is to make disciples. No, the command is make disciples of all nations. We actually have this in our own language too. If you and I are playing baseball one day, maybe I'm the coach of the team, you're on the team, and I say, hit the ball! And you hear me and say, oh, he wants me to hit. Okay. And you hit the umpire and then you hit the Gatorade jug and you hit the fence. What am I going to say to you? No, I said hit the ball. The command is hit the ball, not hit in general. And this is the exact thing that Jesus is doing. He's saying make disciples of who? Of Of all nations. Now, this is a very interesting thing because when it comes to um, the nations, when it comes to discipleship, and I got this when I was in seminary, people would always talk about this like kind of almost pyramid scheme. You know, if I lead one person to Jesus every year and I get them to lead one person to Jesus every year, pretty soon the whole world will be reached, right? Well, why hasn't that worked after 2,000 years? And the reality is that people groups don't work that way. When it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus, We will share this with our friends and family. And we see this on the mission field today. If the good news comes to a certain people, they will, and they accept it cheerfully, they will share it with their friends and families. And it can spread and it can saturate that people group, but it won't actually jump over to another people group without intentionality. It actually takes an intentional missionary effort of somebody saying, how do I go tell people very different from me this? How do I... Tell it to them in their language. Tell it in a way that is culturally makes sense. You know, make this message make sense. And you see, sometimes we think of the gospel kind of like pouring pan- syrup on a pancake. You pour it and it just spreads. And people are actually more like waffles. Like each people group is a pocket and it's going to fill the pocket, but it has to take something to have it go over the walls into another pocket. And so Jesus didn't say, hey, just make disciples and this will accomplish what I want. No, I want you to specifically and intentionally make disciples to the other nations. Here's what I'm going to say. And this is maybe a little controversial, but guess what? We don't need a command to share good news with people like us. Now, I know America is a little weird and we get a little timid about sharing the gospel. But when you look at most of the world, we gladly share good news with friends and family. We want friends and family to know good news. What we need a command for is to share the news with someone very different from us. And that's what Jesus' command actually is. It's a command that says, here's your mission. It's counterintuitive, but I want this mission to specifically go find someone very different from you and make a disciple. Not, and I think Jesus knew, you know, this, you'll share this with your friends and families. But the command is, share this with people very different from you. Maybe even people who've offended you. Maybe people who have mistreated you. Think about the disciples when they received this command. Who was occupying their country? They were an occupied country. They had Romans there. And guess what the command they're being given is? I don't want you just to share this with Jewish people. Of course you're going to do that. I want you to go share this with the Romans and with the Egyptians and with the Arabs and so on and so on. This is the command. So it's very specific about the nations. And of course, as we've looked at today, top line, bottom line, it's a bottom line mission. Now, here's what I want us to see then, is it's also based on an economy of abundance. And this only makes sense. This command only makes sense because it's based on an economy of abundance. And this has roots in the very nature of God. Now think about this. God is triune. The Bible teaches us that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We even see that in this command of Matthew 28, don't we? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Think about this. When God, before God created anything, within himself, God already had perfect community. He already knew what it was to love because he's three in one. God did not create us because he was so lonely. Sometimes I hear that Like, you know, God floating out there in the great darkness. And it's like, man, I'm lonely. I'll create some people to keep me company. No. God didn't create us because he had a lack or a need. God created out of an abundance of the relationship he already had. He created us to share what he already had. God operates on an economy of abundance. His kingdom operates on an economy of abundance. That is so unlike our world. Because in our world, when we get something good... Yeah, we'll share it with our friends and families, but we'll keep it there because we don't want to lose it by sharing it with people different from us. You know, we have the oil. We don't want them to get the oil because if they didn't get the oil, we won't have the oil. We have the bigger army. We won't want them to have a bigger army because then they'll have the bigger, right? Our world doesn't operate on an economy of abundance, but the kingdom does. So check this out. When God blesses us by bringing us into his family... The command he gives us isn't, oh, just share this with your friends and family like everybody does. His command, go share this with someone very different from you. Because guess what? When you bring other people into my kingdom, it doesn't lessen your blessing at all. It doesn't take away from what I've given you because it's an economy of abundance. It's an amazing principle to live by. And it goes right back to the very root of who God is by his nature. He's three in one. He's a God of abundance. So this command is specifically about the nations. It's based on an economy of abundance, and finally, it's motivated by worship. And this goes right back to what we talked about, the puzzle analogy. Why do we go to the nations? It's because we like to travel and eat foreign food. You know, some people get involved in mission work because of that. But what if you're a person that you don't like to travel? What if you're a homebody? What if you'd rather just have steak and potatoes your whole life? You don't want to try any pad thai or anything like that. Well guess what missions the great commission is not just for people who have been bitten by the travel bug it's also not based on how lovable people are either how great a people group is how lovable they are it's based on God and his glory and so we're called to go and to send because not because people are so lovable or they're so great or because we really have the travel bug it's because it's based on our love for God John Piper says this, um, he's well known for this quote, that missions exist because worship doesn't. One day missions will come to an end, but worship will go on forever. Hmm. So then let's just talk about how we apply this today. Okay, we'll wrap up here. Just a few words on application. How do we live for the bottom line? Well, I want us to see this first of all. What is the bottom line of your blessing? And I want you to know this, that you are blessed. According to Ephesians chapter 1, look at what Ephesians 1 says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. If you are in Christ, are you blessed? And are your blessings only limited to spiritual blessings? I would imagine that in this room, there's going to be differences, but I imagine that many of us have many blessings beyond just spiritual blessings, but we have some just very tangible physical blessings as well. If I have been blessed, is that the top line or the bottom line? What's the bottom line of my blessing? And I tell you, it's the same for everybody in every part of history. The bottom line has always been about God's glory among the nations. So not only should you be living for the bottom line because you have the top line, but you have the bottom line mission. So how can we live for the bottom line? Well, sometimes when people hear a sermon on the Great Commission, uh, you might think, oh, we're all supposed to go become missionaries, and that's not what I'm saying. Not everybody's supposed to become a missionary in a foreign overseas context, but we're all called to be a part of this Great Commission. I want you to think about this, to be a part of the Great Commission actually takes the whole church working together. It really does. For every person who goes, there has to be a lot of people behind them sending them. We'll talk about that here in a moment, but here are some things I want to give you today as just a takeaway. I want to give you three disciplines and then I want to give you four practices. For every person, they can incorporate these disciplines into every aspect of their life. The first one is prayer. And by prayer, I mean, do you pray that God would be glorified among the nations? You know, it's amazing when we look back on history, every significant movement of missions that's happened has always been preceded by a prayer movement. Prayer is not our last resort. It's our only resort. Prayer is really the air war that prepares for the ground war. And so one of the ways to be involved in the Great Commission is simply to pray. Uh, Simply even to take one of the uh, people groups today. Did you know today of those 17,000 people groups in the world, 7,000 are considered unreached. They don't have the Bible in their language. They don't have churches that they can go to and hear about Jesus. You can take one of those people groups and just simply start praying for them. It's amazing what God does through prayer. The second discipline's community. We're called to live in Christian community, and none of this Great Commission will ever be accomplished by people working on their own. Now, the good news about that is you're all sitting here today as a church. So you get to pat yourselves on the back because you're living in community. This is part of the discipline The third one is a lifestyle, a globally appropriate lifestyle. You know, today in our modern day we we talk a lot about globally appropriate lifestyles, usually in regard to carbon footprint, right? People say, oh, am I living a globally appropriate? Should I be driving that giant SUV? I need to shrink my carbon footprint, right? Well, I want to talk to you about a very different globally appropriate lifestyle, and I want to talk about a different footprint. What's your mission footprint? What's your great commission footprint? And rather than shrinking it, how are you growing it? You want the biggest Great Commission footprint you can. And sometimes that does involve similar things. Maybe what kind of car I drive. Maybe what I do every day with my money. Maybe I use my resources differently. It's not a call to become cheap or stingy, but to live with purpose and strategically use our resources. I shared this with the group that was here at Sunday School today. Today, in the church, for every dollar that goes to all ministry, less than a penny is spent on planting churches among unreached peoples. Across the United States, we spend more money on Halloween costumes for our pets than we spend on planting churches among the unreached. It's not a call to become cheap or stingy. It's a call to live with greater purpose. Okay, let me give you four practices then. We'll end on this. Going, sending, welcoming, and mobilizing. And I call these practices rather than calls or roles because really many of us can practice all of them. Certainly when we think about the Great Commission, there's a practice of going. Some people go long-term, but there's also going short-term. And behind every person who goes, yeah, we need people who send. Sending is a practice. Now, think about this when it comes to sending. In 1792, William Carey was challenged with with words that there's a gold mine in India, but it seems as deep as the center of the earth. Who will venture to explore it? I'm captured by what William Carey said. He replied, I will go down, but remember that you must hold the rope. For every person who enters the dark places of the unreached, there needs to be whole groups of people holding the rope for them to send them. But that's what I love. If, if you are practicing sending, part of sending is sometimes going. Uh, that's one of the things we do at Sunset Bible Church is we send people to visit our partners because they become better senders when they've seen the ministry on the ground they pray more effectively, they care more deeply, they live more strategically. One of the most important practices today for us, and we find this with where we live, is simply welcoming, that God is bringing the nations to us. And every place has the nations there. We have a ministry, and we know our context in Tacoma is very different, but we have a ministry with students from more than 27 different countries in it. teaching english leading them through discovery bible studies tremendous opportunity and finally mobilizing is such an important practice for us you know there's such value to our sunday school teachers who tell our kids about god's mission in their life i think about my cousin she's a senior this year in high school she's telling me last year that the first time she ever heard the term great commission was when she was 14 She grew up in a good Bible church her whole life, but nobody ever told her about the Great Commission. She heard that word. She said, what's that? What's the Great Commission? Amazing. Okay. I know I'm going kind of long. I'll wrap up with just two things here. Sometimes when we talk about this, I want you to hear this, that there's a counterintuitive element, that this is our main thing, and it needs to be our first thing. And sometimes when I talk about the Great Commission, people say, man, Shouldn't we fix our own problems first? Don't we have enough problems in our own country? And here's that counterintuitive nature, and it's the cool thing about God's economy, is when we prioritize the things that are God's priority, he always takes care of the other things. Again, this is operating in an economy of abundance. When we prioritize and we make sure that we're living into our purpose to make disciples of the nations, what is going on locally will never suffer. I've never met a person who became focused on on making disciples of the nations who became a worse evangelist of their friends and families. They've always become better. At my church, the more we give to global things, guess what? Our local budget always improves. I think about my friend, A.J. Pillay. He's a guy from India. He was visiting a brother of his who's Indian, but... A church planter in Scotland, and he was visiting all these historic churches in Scotland that were once the mission powerhouses of the world. And he was in one, and it's now a Hindu temple. And he said this to me. He said, "Tyler, the church that stops sending missionaries becomes the mission field. Because when we quit working for the things that God's called us to, we disconnect from our very purpose from existing." So I want you to see this, and I so believe this. If the church in America got serious about our role in the Great Commission, we would see revival in our own country. I absolutely believe that. Well, I want to close today simply by praying. But what I want to do is I want to pray Psalm 67. I'm going to read Psalm 67 again. But I want to invite you to close your eyes and listen to this and make it your prayer. And I want you to hear both the top line and the bottom line this morning. So I'll close with these words. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God, I pray this morning that you would bless the people of Coal Creek. And I pray that they would in turn live for your great global purposes. May this be so. And may you do this in us. Amen.